Want me to dive right in? I, I, I want to talk first about um, a more current event. Like, what is going on with all these hurricanes? And, and what's happening down? Are you down in North Carolina right now? Are you in Wrightsville, Wilmington? or? I am. So what, um, what's happening down been, there with all these hurricanes? There's been a lot of swell. Um, but it, believe it or not, the storms kind of have... They've altered the sandbars along the coast. So areas that would have normally been really excellent surf spots for this bigger swell, they're they're not working the way they used to. They're just kind of closing out on the beach. So luckily, some people with boats have been able to get out and find some shoals that are breaking. But for the most part, it it's very challenging. We are getting big swells, of but it's you, you got to go hunting. It's not the regular spots. But you guys are getting waves as opposed to just a lot of onshore wind and, and rain and stuff yeah. like that? Yeah, we're not getting any rain right now. It's been dry for the last week. Um, just really big swell, mild wind. And yesterday it was like pretty offshore all day holding, trying to hold up the waves. Perfect. Well, how about when Irma went through? Did you guys get any like effects of that like from the outer bands of Irma? Yeah, just... A little bit of rain, it, but not yeah. not more than, yeah, we haven't seen a lot this season. We fared well. We were really nervous about that hurricane originally. I remember when it formed, I was like, I was having Fran flashbacks. So. Oh, okay. Hurricane Fran. That was a bad one. Yeah. For, for me, that was, that was the one we were out of power for two weeks. Um, and I remember, I actually... The storm itself was scary, but after the fact, I think I had the best time of my life. It was like I was camping for two weeks in my own house. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all this stuff is so bittersweet. You know, it's kind of it's almost hard to talk about it enthusiastically because of all the all the destruction and devastation that happens. But um, but it's 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 kind of you know at least on the East Coast, it's what um, it's kind of the reality of this time of year for the East Coast and for people who love to be in the ocean, love to be surfing, riding waves, and so on. You know, it's a little bit of a it's a bittersweet thing because we obviously look forward to it. But this season in particular has just been unreal. And they're just, these storms are just stacked on one on top of each other, like a, like just train cars moving through. And it's like that movie. Somebody posted a screenshot of the God, the day after tomorrow movie with three storms. <laughs> it yeah, looks just like the real life. They're like, it's coming true. Like those doomsdayers there. It was, it was a pretty funny meme. Yeah, I think, I mean, the earth is really pissed right now. I mean, that's pretty evident. And uh, I think we're seeing the effects of it. But it's all, it's just crazy. So I don't know. I mean, being in, being where you are in North Carolina and just kind of just having seen Irma go through, I didn't know if you guys had any kind of, I, I, I wasn't sure kind of what you guys were seeing down there. Or even if you're hearing from like Floridians who are trying to get out of there and the evacuation and all that stuff. Because I mean, we were supposed to go down to Surf Expo, you know, the weekend it, it hit, or the, I guess the, you know, the few days before it hit. And then we were just touch and go, you know, trying to figure out if we were going to make it down there or not. And it was all about, you know, what our exit strategy looked like coming out of Florida. Because here's, everyone's trying to leave Florida, and we're looking at flights going mm -hmm. into Florida on Wednesday. And I don't know, I, I felt yeah, terrible I for everyone at Surf Expo, because it just, I don't know. I feel like they should have canceled Surf Expo. I, I honestly think it was... I mean, this is my opinion and yeah. opinions are like buttholes, but he, I, right. I don't think it was responsible to to have people driving in for that event, um, it, I, clogging up the roadways further. So I don't know. I think they should have canceled it and just I know I know how much money must go into that event. So I know it's a hard call to make, but yeah, and, and that's it exactly. I mean, you know, each of those booths are expensive, and I, I have no idea what the recourse is you know if they have some kind of natural disaster like this in terms of what happens yeah. but i'm sure that was weighing on everybody's minds and they're trying to figure out what to do and you're right it's kind of one of these things where like if you wait too long you know this kind yeah, of yeah. you get some negative publicity just from not making a decision but and and then yeah. the value essentially the value goes away because if no one's really there nobody was there yeah <laughs> yeah and that's what i was afraid of and we, we kind of made the call last minute and there were some people that we needed to go see and so, Which worked out. I think everybody made it out in time. It was smart of them to at least call it early. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, they kept but, adjusting the schedule, moving it forward. and. But you guys flew, too. I was just I was more worried. 
I think if people like Virginia and South that are, are going to make the drive yeah, and then the roads were already extremely congested oh, yeah. to expect people to, to drive down yeah. was, Oh, let's just add more people to these already congested roadways <laughs> <laughs> until you all get out as fast well, as you can. Yeah. And a lot of the people <laughs> who are going to be driving or we're going to be, a, a, we're like ultimately going to possibly wind up in the path of this thing. So they're like, Hey, in, instead of coming down to surf expo, I'm going to, I'm going to basically, shore up my house and just make sure that my shop and everything is boarded up before I come down there. And they just didn't yeah. want to spend the time in the car when they could be just make getting prepared for the hurricane to hit. I got it. Yeah. So. But it, I think everything, uh, at least Georgia and North fared well, minus a little bit of flooding. I know the Chucktown showdown down in Charleston still went off uh, this last weekend and it went, it went well. Yeah, we heard about that. We heard about that. Our buddy uh, Tommy Boudet came all the way down from Montreal, and yeah. yeah, he won the he won the men's event, which we were excited to see. That guy's a road yeah, warrior. It was the first year, first year I've ever missed it. Um, I do love that event because I love Charleston. It's a such a really great place to visit. But uh, I needed a little change of um, yeah. I don't know, I just well, something different. We heard about that. So I definitely want to talk to you about that later. But yeah, we definitely heard about that. But yeah, so let's circle back. And, um, and just for, you know, there, obviously, you've got a huge, huge fan base of people who, who are inspired by everything that you do. Um, and for people who aren't as familiar, I thought it'd be helpful just to kind of go back and just talk a little bit about like the beginnings of stand up of your stand up paddle career and sort of how you got into the sport. Uh, the beginnings were, were, were very bleak. I, I tried a board out in Florida, um, at a friend's house. It was me and my now husband. He was my boyfriend at the time. We went down and stayed with his friend and his neighbor brought out a paddleboard and said, Oh, here's this new thing. You just got to try it. And everybody else hopping on it and falling off. And I hopped right on and I felt super balanced. And I, I went around the lake and I said, Oh my gosh, this is, yeah, I don't want my kayaks anymore. I don't hate running. I don't anything else that was that I was trying to utilize to stay fit and become a healthier person. I mean, I was doing it, but it was it, it wasn't fun. I didn't want to go do it. I had to force myself to go do it somehow. Whereas the second I hopped on that board, I was like, oh, man, I could do this every single day. No questions asked. Um, and I was like, I'm going to buy one of these as soon as I get home. So I did. And like literally three days later, I found the cheapest board I could find. I think it was actually a tandem surfboard. It was so narrow. I to this day, I don't know how I was able to stand on it. Um, and I, I found the cheapest paddle I could get. It was super heavy with a giant blade. And I thought, man, I thought I was going fast. So <laughs> I entered the Carolina Cup. It nice. turned out that that race was it was like two weeks after I bought the board. It was right in my backyard. I was like, oh, my gosh, people race these things. How cool. Yeah. This is going to be my thing. And so I didn't sign up for the three mile, but at least I didn't sign up for the 12. Um, <laughs> I was like, yes, yeah, I'll do the middle distance. I can do this. And um, no, I couldn't. But uh, <laughs> I didn't know that yet. So, huh? What happened in that race? How'd you do? Oh, man, it, it was gnarly. I They blew the horn. And I, everybody like took off and I thought, I was like, oh wow, they're paddling really fast. Maybe I can do that too. And with that paddle that I had, I was still holding my paddle backwards. I had a backwards paddle, it was <laughs> big and heavy. And I was on like this all around tandem surfboard that was equally heavy, probably weighed as much as the paddle, more than the paddle. Um, everything was ridiculously heavy. And I was about 30 seconds in when I realized that they were going to go right on ahead without me. And so I didn't even finish that race. I, uh, I pulled it in. I did the three and a half mile course instead of the full six. That so was probably yeah. realistic. good. That was probably a good call. And, and what year was that April? Yeah. When, when did that happen? I want to say. Is that 2011? Yeah. Okay. It was the first year they ever had the Carolina cup. Oh, that was the first year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was its very first year. They ran it out of the fish house here over at the drawbridge. Cool. All right. Well, so at that point, there were still some pretty seasoned racers who were there who were actually doing pretty oh, yeah. well. Candace Appleby was in town. Um, 
Karen Wren was big at the time and Chuck Patterson came to town. It was the first year where uh, the Rice School Beach Paddle Club had had gotten like real pros to come out because it was it was supposed to be such a big event. The years before they did have the race the year before, I think they just called it the mullet run. Oh, yeah. But there weren't. Yeah. I don't think there were pros or and if there were there were fewer. <laughs> what did they do and what did they do that year do you think that made that created the draw to get Candace and Chuck and other people there? Uh I I don't know if I <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> you know? I mean that's the magic touch right there. But something happened there, you know, to to get these get these kind of pro signature athletes to come all the way over to North Carolina to race. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm not sure what they did other than, I mean, North Carolina is a really great place to visit. And I'm sure the draw of the graveyard is. But I wonder if it was, maybe it was a little bit of prize money or maybe it was just like just luck and timing. You know, the sport was just kind of getting started at that point. And I think that, you know, and, and people saw, somehow people saw that that race was going to be a, a big event, you know, in, in the calendar year of sub racing. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. I mean, we, I, I, I'm, you know, Jeff and I go down and racing that thing uh, every year. I think we've gone the last three years, and it, it's a, it's amazing. It's it's a it's one of the it's one of the greatest events I've ever seen. I mean, the coordination of all that, the blockade runner um, being right there on the beach, the the lawn space for all the tents and activities and stuff, and just the atmosphere and just and the people down there and just how excited they are about stuff and stuff racing and paddling in the ocean. And it's an awesome, it's an awesome event. It's, and you can see, I mean, as soon as you get, when you, if you get, if you get people to go once, you can, you'll get them to come back, you know, but yeah, it's, it's a good community. Oh, it's fantastic. So this is where you grew up, right? More or less. Yeah. Just a little bit inland from here. Uh, I didn't really grow up next to the coast. I came to the beach maybe, two to three times a year growing up. But uh, in college, I moved out here to be a, a marine biologist. <laughs> so. Really? Okay. Yeah, I have my, yeah, master's in, I did my research in deep sea coral reef ecology. We mapped a bunch of like really deep, dark coral reefs off the, off the coast here and then a few in the Gulf of Mexico, so. That's cool. That's every surfer's dream, right? To be a marine biologist think so until you realize that you're stuck inside for nine hours a day at a desk with no windows <laughs> yeah sometimes it's pretty heavy science and not enough like getting out on the water exactly oh yeah turns out i get really really seasick in the middle of the atlantic in december <laughs> i think anybody would so. so so at some point so then the next year at carolina what happened so you you re-entered the race this, the following year and i did and what happened then yeah after after that race, I, instead of just saying, this is stupid, I quit, I, I still I still had that feeling when I got on the board. I was like, I want to do this to be a healthier me. I don't, I hate running. Um, I don't, I mean, I enjoy right. sitting in the kayak, but I, I don't like sitting. Right. Like, so this is totally what I want to do. I need to figure out how to do it right. So I found Carolina Paddleboard Company um, and they they helped me out. They, they helped me hold my paddle straight. <laughs> they got me a, a paddle that I could actually paddle with that wasn't like going to sink if I dropped it. They they helped find me a, a really good race board so I could, you know, get moving a little faster. So all of those things that, you know, you can watch all the YouTube videos in the world. You can look up stuff online, but your local shop is actually really, really important there there are a huge knowledge base and a, a wealth of information and i think yeah. it's it's interesting so w without them i couldn't have come back that next year so the next year i entered the exact same race with all my equipment um and a little bit of a training from them and i got second place in the wow. exact same race that i couldn't even finish the first year so. wow that's awesome april that's awesome. that's dedication and you're right i mean you know, as soon as you get on the board, as soon as you start experiencing the, the, the all the benefits of paddling, and obviously for you, the, like the excitement of getting out there every day. I mean, the the results are the results are going to happen. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, I don't know. Like I said, it's still 
I could have gotten out there every day on my own with all those YouTube videos, but I probably still would have been paddling wrong. So definitely people should swing by their local shops and support them and not, not just go look at the stuff in the local shop and then buy it off of Amazon. <laughs> yeah. We're big fans of that behavior as well. Of like making sure <laughs> yes. you visit your local shop. No, and we've been working hard here, as you probably know, like building a, a paddle community and, and doing weekly kind of race clinics that have been popular and, People are getting into it and, and I do. I think there's, I think in terms of like alternative fitness activities like running or cycling, I think there's a lot of people out there that still have yet to kind of discover how much, how, how fun it is and how beneficial it is to be on the paddleboard in terms of like maintaining fitness and getting on the water and doing something that's active and outside that just has huge fitness and exercise benefits. It's awesome. Oh yeah. And it, I see it, it was kind of a gateway exercise for me. I, I didn't run, I didn't do anything in the gym. I exercising in me, uh, we didn't get along very well, but over the years at, as my fitness level increased, I was like, Oh, maybe, you know, I couldn't get on the water cause it was too windy or there's a hurricane. I was like, all right, maybe I'll go for a little jog. Or, hey, I want to be able to apply more pressure to my paddle blade. Maybe I will try to lift a few weights. And it's with the fitness that paddleboarding gave me, I was able to jump into these other disciplines that I, I couldn't before. Uh, either I didn't have the physical capacity or I was scared to. Um, and and it, it gave me an in for all of that. And now I do. I, I enjoy lifting weights. I don't. I still don't really enjoy running, but it's not as miserable as it used to be. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, a point where you get to a certain level of fitness where things get, it gets easier and more enjoyable and you see the results. And so it just, it is a faster sort of self perpetuating kind of effect, which is great. I mean, it's hard. The hardest thing to do is get started from day one, right? So if you're not doing any yeah. kind of, any kind of fitness at all, it's really hard to get started and it's really hard to sustain and, and maintain some kind of, daily routine or even weekly routine. But, but once you start seeing, once you start feeling that you're, that it's working and you're, and you're getting some of the results, then yeah, I agree. Then it's a little bit easier to participate in other things and just keep it going and keep the momentum rolling. Yeah. And I think just being outside and being on the water, you see stingrays and horseshoe crabs and egrets. I, I found that as a marine biologist, at least at the time, I found that superior to to trying to get fit any other way, even if it was slow at first. So, we, you know, you get tired, you sit on your board and you you're out in the marsh all by yourself in crystal blue water with green grass and really cool animals. So, yeah, it's hard to beat. You, you sound like an ad for North Carolina already. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so you, you talked about your, you mentioned your boyfriend earlier, who's been a big part of your sup life. And I know that we've gotten to see him a, a lot of times at different race events and stuff. So talk to us a little bit about um, Corey's perspective of all of this, like how he's sort of seen you go from you know, your first Carolina Cup race to where you are today. And let's just, let's, let me just frame this quickly because I didn't, haven't done this yet. But April, tell, tell us where, I mean, you, you've had an incredibly accomplished um, sub-career, particularly someone coming from the East Coast. And, I mean, give us, give us a sense right now. I mean, are you, I know you're, in the top, you're ranked in the top 10 in the world right now, right? You had an outstanding result at PPG last year, and I was so, so psyched that I could be on the beach to see all that happen. And huge congratulations to the great, the, uh, the, the great performance you put on out there. But I mean, where are you exactly in terms of your ranking? Um, I, I do think I've been clinging to that 10th place spot for what, oh. like three years now. I can't seem to get any higher than that. Um, so I, and where does that ranking thought, come from? Oh, the sub racer ranking. So, yeah, you know, you it's go. funny. And I, I like the sub racer system. I liked it a little bit more two years ago before it um, it guaranteed minimum points for certain races. I, I liked oh, okay. it based. Yeah, it used to be completely unbiased. So your 
the ranking and the points you received from a race were only based on the other people from the top, like 50 rankings that showed up. So it was a weighted system based on how many competitors you had that day at that race, which I understand is very, very difficult for people building their race calendar. You know, you didn't know which races were going to weigh more for your ranking and not. Um, So in an effort to, to kind of make a more solid calendar in the interest of people saving money while for travel and stuff like that, he, he guaranteed minimum points at certain races. So I, I understand why. Right. To get people. Uh, to go. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. So I understand why they, they wanted to guarantee minimum points at certain races, but I think that the rankings have become inaccurate. Probably not by a factor of much, but I did. I liked the unbiased ranking. So where if you didn't make it to the Euro tour, um, like I made it last year and I didn't make it this year, but a lot of the Euro tour races have minimum rankings, but I don't think that the level of competition at those races is always what the minimum ranking has guaranteed it to be. So it might skew a few, some paddlers rankings overall. Got it. But, but you know what? At least he's doing it. I mean, <laughs> somebody's got to do it. So I, I do appreciate that. And, and even my criticism isn't in any way uh, geared to attack uh, anybody. No, I still I, think it's a, a really great system. Yeah, no, I understand. I think it's good feedback. It's it's good constructive kind of criticism, if, if anything. And, and you know, i got to hand it to Chris Parker and his dedication to the whole um, sub race world and, and for coming up with, you know, for making, for essentially trying to come up with a ranking system, right? Because without that, oh, yeah. you know, I, I don't know, I don't know if there would be sort of a, at least an authoritative system that, you know, was inclusive of everybody and, and, and was, you know, less biased towards certain events. Yeah. I would be interested. I think uh, it'd be cool if he put, you know, he has his official rankings based on the the ones that he's guaranteed stars to. But I think it would be cool if he posted the the way he used to do it, like alongside like the unofficial rankings based only on participation. So, huh. yeah, I don't know. it's interesting. Just, why not? <laughs> it's data. I well, love congrats. that. I mean, so your top 10 in the world, that's pretty outstanding. And um I know it has its challenges, right? Because when you, I know when you do small races on the East Coast, um, I mean, you, you pretty much show up and you, you're going to podium before the whistle even is blown. So how do you, how do you deal with that a little bit in terms of training and just preparing for bigger races? Because a lot of, a lot of the races you do, there's not a lot of competition in, for you at least, right? And so, but then, then you go to the kind of the, the world stage and it's completely different. Oh yeah, it's it's actually extremely challenging. Um, the last local race I did here in North Carolina, I just entered men's fourteen foot, the, <laughs> in the 14 division, as a woman on a twelve six, so that I was allowed to draft them. Right. However, I your race is my favorite race. Stand up for the lake, where no drafting is allowed. Period. I just I love that race so much. Thank you for that, <laughs> um, <love> April. <laughs> I love it. I, I just. Cause it's really funny for me to see, cause some, I'll go to all these races and I think I'm so much slower than, than all these men. But what it turns out is that they're just able to latch on and draft someone faster than them. I'm only slower than one of the men. All the other men are just drafting uh, that one fast man. So that's a good point. take out that ability for them to draft. I'm actually able to see, you know, person to person how fast I am against, you know, these people that I, I consistently race against. Um, I, I was debating next year entering men's 14 foot division um, more often yeah. so that I can draft uh, and like just forfeit the, the prize money unless, unless certain races on the East coast <laughs> do away with like the board class debate. If it's just 14 and under for men and women, um, yeah. And then you're allowed to draft. I realized why in the past they got rid of or they, they started those rules even in the first place, because women would get uh, like a man on a 14 foot to 
slow down and hold back for them. And then that man would pull them up to beat the other, the other women. Um, I, I understand in bigger races why maybe that's not allowed, but I think in local races to reduce your number of board classes, it, it might be, I don't think it's a bad idea to do 14 foot and under and open up the drafting or as in your race, obliterate the drafting altogether. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, so from my perspective, I just like to see everybody winded on the beach, like exhausted. You know, I, I don't like to see particularly these short races, you know, like six miles and under or even maybe eight miles and under. I want to see everybody, you know, paddle hard, every single paddle stroke for the entire course. And I, because otherwise I've, I, we've all seen a lot of races where there's a rapid start and then you see the draft train form and then it's just, you know, then everybody sort of maintains their draft position for an hour, you know, for oh, like it's seven boring. months. Oh. It's boring. And then they, <laughs> they, they round the final buoy and it's a sprint to the beach. And, uh, I saw I saw enough of those and I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. I'd rather see everybody just pounding it out and working really hard and be winded and feel like when they get to the beach that they're, you know, that they're exhausted and that they paddled the full course. Oh, I absolutely agree. We could not be more on the same page. <laughs> I look forward to your event every single year. Oh, thanks, April. And I wish we love having you. So. Um, yeah, and, and I, mean, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't just um, – ignore sort of the gender classes either like if you raced in a 14 foot class i don't see any reason why you couldn't just beat all the men and just and win the win the overall yeah i mean i'd be interested i do because some the, the bigger races are still on 12 6 for me yeah. i would probably continue to race the board that i intend to race uh in the in the international scene just right. because it's better to practice right. but if i was entered in the in the 14 foot and under division, I would still push probably hard and in certain local races to try to draft certain guys on 14. And it does, it pushes me harder to catch up to them and then to try to hang on as long as I can. Right. Um, and then it, it also gives me a bigger field, especially at the start. Cause you're like bumping into people. It, and then you can cut people off to draft or, or get cut off or get slammed in to, to somebody else around a buoy. So I feel like when I, when I try to race the guys on 14, I'm getting a little bit more, it's at least closer to the experience that I'm getting in the international scene. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. And so on the international scene, so, so you're racing in 12 six and in those events, who who are you basically? I mean, can we? Yeah, who are you basically gunning for in each event? Like, do you have somebody that you're trying to stay with, or do you have somebody that you're you're trying to beat, or is it the whole field, or is there any, is there anyone that in particular that you sort of try to size up against in each event? No, I don't have like any one person because it it, it yo-yos back and forth. Like, I've I've beat people that I I thought were way way faster than me. And then some days I show up at races um, and those people are way, way ahead of me right. for the women's field. It's actually very interesting. Um, and without going like, like the TMI too much info alert, <laughs> you, it's surprising how big of a role your hormones play uh, on a, huh. like a monthly basis. Right. So there are certain times where your, your coordination is just crap um, anaerobically. Like when you hit that, that anaerobic threshold, you just feel exhausted like long before that happens. So you never know if you show up to a race that day, if, you know, the other chick on the course that usually beats you, maybe she's behind you because she's just having like an estrogen ridden day. And maybe you <laughs> got really good testosterone levels that day. Sadly, people don't want to admit that that's a huge factor in women's racing, but it is, man. I'll, I'll go to the gym and if I if it's like an estrogen day, I can't even do one double under with a jump rope. I look like, and I look like I'm just, I am struggling. It look it's it's laughable. And then two weeks later, I'll I'll knock out like fifty in a row. Like I'm this this super athlete. Wow. But I'm the same person. It, it's just it's this whole. It it matters. Hey, so I, there's a really I have good days point. like that too, you know. I, I certainly have days. I don't think it's just a female male thing. I think I it's a, uh, you know. I, I mean, but your your point is very valid. Like, there's people have their on days and their off days, and 
and there's no science behind it. And because otherwise, if, if people knew how to have an on day every day, they would do everything they could to make sure that that happened. And on race exactly. day, on race day, you know, something's, there's just stuff that, ha you know, there's unpredicted things that happen and just natural events or just whatever it is. It's just the mojo in the air that gives you a good day or a bad day. And, and then, and you never know what's going to happen until the horn blows. And, and then everything. Yeah, and because of that, I never compare myself to other people on the course right, that day. I'm right. Not, I'm not going for any individual, or you know, it might be their good day, it might be their worst day. I don't know. I'm just out. Yeah, you got to race to do your race. My best every yeah. single time. Yeah. That's awesome. I feel no, that it's makes only sense. on me. That makes so. sense. Well, it, it, I mean, it's just great to see you in the international field and see you up there in the in the in the finals up against like all these other amazing you know women and who um have have all done had amazing sub careers as well so it's just there's just a great feeling of, you know coming from the east coast to see you up there so thanks april congrats and great job love seeing you thank you yeah um so i did i did want to circle back to uh your boyfriend slash husband and um because i i was curious to get his get your perspective on sort of how he has seen sort of the evolution of your career and and knowing that you guys you know, were dating initially and then and then obviously now you're married and what's that been like it it's funny that you you mention him because that trip that we we took to florida where i tried the paddleboard and i looked at him and i said i'm buying one of these as soon as i get home and he goes why no you're not like and then tuesday tuesday afternoon i come driving in the driveway with my new board he's like oh you weren't kidding. <laughs> oh, you were serious. Yeah. He was like, Oh, um, and I was still working in the lab and, you know, I'd break away early in the afternoons to try to go paddle and stuff like that. He's like, I, I really, I told him I wanted to do this. And then I entered the race and he thought that it was kind of silly. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I didn't even finish the race, he was like, well, let's go do something else today. Like we, we went bike riding or something. I don't remember. Um, but I looked at him after the race and I was like, I want to, I want to do this again next year and I'm going to, I'm really going to do it. And he said that he, since then he's admitted that he grossly underestimated like what I meant when I said, I want to do this. That's awesome. He thought like, yeah, it's just going to be like a little side hobby where maybe I paddled once or twice a week. And all of a sudden I was out there a lot and he's a really good sport. He gets all my hand me down equipment, um, so <laughs> boards and paddles and everything. too small for him. I'm like, here, you get this now. Um, I think this last year he got his first, like, like the board that he really wanted. He ordered a custom. He's been paddling long enough now that I let him get his own board. Yeah, and he's doing um, well, you know, it's, it's just exciting to see both of you guys being able to do this together. And, and he is certainly from the guy who's was initially looking at you saying, hey, how long is this going to last? Exactly. And now he's traveling with you and he's he's entering races and he's he's racing with you on the same courses. It's, it's exciting to and, see. And for somebody who doesn't train, he doesn't come out with me. Uh, I, I force him into training every once in a while because I need somebody to like. <laughs> I give him a head start uh, and I'm like, okay, ready, set, go. And then he gets out ahead of me and then I, I try to catch up to him and pass him. Um, so that's how I try to utilize him as a training tool. <laughs> and he's somebody that paddles faster than me. But then when we get out there in the races, we have our little spousal who wins the season. I think I won this season. Uh, I think he maybe beat me in two races out of the entire summer so it was a good year for me I, last I know year it, he almost won yeah i know <laughs> he didn't he didn't beat you in our race i saw that so that was that was yeah. exciting to see and no it's it, it's it's definitely interesting and then obviously you know with your we saw your wedding pictures and how and you guys were right you guys were like in your wedding gear like on paddle boards cruising around i'm like wow look at this look at this sub couple these guys are totally committed here they are, like whatever, like on their wedding day, like posing with all these paddleboard shots, and it was very cool, very it's totally unique. It was fun. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> it was nice for him to let me to do it on paddleboards and not to do it on my mountain bikes. He would rather be on mountain bikes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
It's hard to it's hard to keep all that white gear white when you're on mountain bikes. Yeah, much harder. Um, so no, talk- he's been a really good sport though. Uh, and like I said, it, even though he was a naysayer in the beginning, he's been really supportive um, of me, like cutting back my hours at my job and dropping down to part time so that I can have time to train. Sometimes a lot of days it's two a day uh, training now. So Wow. Whereas when I was holding down a, a regular like eight to nine hour dro- job, I couldn't fit in two a days. So dropping wow. back to part time and him supporting that has been huge because I, I don't know how many people in the top 10 have jobs, but um, I know I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's impressive, right? I, I think it's only I mean, in terms of men and women, I think it's just you and Travis Grant as far as I know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, tra- Travis is the other <laughs> well, guy that talk about really every job. job. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so that's that's a that's a good uh, field of people to be in. Um, yeah. So what has so I know you weren't I, well I heard and, and then you mentioned it earlier but um, what happened with Chucktown why why what made you decide not to enter that race? Um, you know I they give out these really cool skateboards every year and I have a lot of skateboards <laughs> now <laughs> and so it's the I, prizes. I love we need better prizes. prizes. No, no, that the prize is great. I wanted somebody else to have a skateboard. Um, That's nice. Of you. And I had actually, I was, I was planning on trying to do the, uh, an event that didn't happen in New York for that weekend. So I, I had already made up my mind that I wasn't going to do Chucktown. And then at the last minute, the day I found out that the the event in New York had been canceled, oh, nice. I my um my friends from our, our crossfit gym had messaged me they're like oh today's the last day to sign up for this crossfit competition and i've never done anything like that in my life and I'll, i was like yeah sure absolutely i'm turns out that whatever i was doing that weekend got uh canceled sign me up i'm in because there was a paddleboard leg in the CrossFit competition. So uh. we thought it would be really funny. Um, and it, it actually ended up being really funny for me to enter it against uh, everybody else and do that portion. Was it, was and it, then stand- it was actually three days. Was it stand up paddle or was it prone? Was it stand up paddle or prone? It was stand up. Yeah. Um, great. Yeah, it was really cool. So we left from the shop. It was really short, though. It was only 360 meters. I wish it was longer. <laughs> um, but we did that on Friday. We did the paddle bike run on Friday. And then Saturday and Sunday, um, we did two really insanely hard events on Saturday. And then everybody slept like a sack of potatoes, like a brick. And then we had... Two events on Sunday, but luckily my team made it to the finals, so we had a third event. And I have not done anything that hard in a very, very, very long time. So I'm glad I did it. Wow, that's a it's like a three or four day CrossFit tournament. Yeah, wow. it was um, with uh, you know they go through like the full gamut. There was rope climbs and a ski erg. And uh, the rowing erg, and then weightlifting as well, uh, or powerlifting the um, or snatches and cleans and deadlifts and handstand walks. It was wow. It was all of that, and I think, I you know I I really enjoyed it. I just felt like doing something oh, a little different. Wow, that's yeah. pretty cool. And the, I mean, the fact you made it to the finals is pretty impressive. So, are, so when you talk about being in the gym and training for a stand-up paddle, are you in a CrossFit gym and doing like CrossFit routines, or were you able to just I, kind of move over and do all the CrossFit stuff based on your training? It was it actually the latter. Um, yeah. So I do wow. not do a lot of the CrossFit stuff um, in the gym. I, it's a little too intense to handle that year round, yeah. along with my intensity and uh, volume of training on the water. Right. But I do I do a little bit of CrossFit in my off season. Um, and then as I, I migrate kind of to my on season of paddling, I do a more structured routine with weights that's a little lower intensity that I just built for myself. Um, 
and they just let me use their weight. They let me go there and pick things up and put things down. It's very nice of them. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. The guys at CrossFit Carolina Beach, they're they're very nice to let me use their weights all year. <laughs> um, wow, that's pretty impressive then, you were, that you were in that kind of condition to be able to make it to the finals. They do a, a really cool like strength balances screen thing there at the the Carolina Beach CrossFit that I I did, and he, they mentioned that they've never. I guess your your ratios for like deadlift and back squat, then for like a push press versus a an upright row, like your pulling and pulling should pushing and pulling should all be within a certain ratio of one another to prevent injury. And me coming from a paddling background, I did the screen and I was I was extremely balanced. Whereas a lot of other athletes coming from other sports, they're they either push or they pull more than the other and that tends to one being stronger than the other throw them off balance and cause injury and that's why um a lot of people do get injured so i did find it very interesting that i could hop into these certain crossfit workouts my my technique is is lacking i think i could go heavier in certain things with a little bit of crossfit knowledge right. but i don't crossfit very much so i'm i'm happy that paddling has made me strong enough in the first place to even jump in and be able to do something like that. So it, it's like a, it's definitely a reason to be a paddler. Well, we had heard the rumor that you went to a CrossFit tournament rather than do the Chucktown. And we thought you were starting to make a, a, a change in sort of your decisions of which kind of sport you wanted to pursue. So, but it sounds no, like I mean, that wasn't the case. No, it was just for fun good. and it was fun. Right, I mean, it was painful, but it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, three days of that or four days of that, whatever it is. I mean, that's, that is a lot. I mean, you go to these races, you go to a yeah. sub race, it's about a day or two. It's not like four days of, of pain and punishment. No, it's definitely, it's much more relaxing. But I figure, God, the, the level that I put out on this, the CrossFit competition, if I can, that that level of pain and effort if i can bring that to p the pacific paddle games in two there weeks go. there you go i think i might be in a good position <laughs> so remember that page. exactly um yeah so talk to us a little bit about what you're doing to train for ppg you mean other than a four-day crossfit competition no <laughs> that's pretty good um i mean like I, I mean watching it last year from the beach was really exciting and obviously um you know, they designed the course and they even move some of the buoys on the course as the tide changes throughout the day because they want to see some excitement around the hammer buoy. And, um, and, and just it, the fact that it's such a technical race, um, you know, you really have to have, <clears throat> it really plays to a lot of agility and wave riding skills, um, which I think makes it a little <laughs> bit more challenging from the East Coast, maybe, maybe not. Absolutely. But, right. No, it does. I mean at least we've had some hurricane swell to practice in uh, yeah. a little bit late. Yeah. So that's been nice doing in and outs with a, in the waves that pack a little bit more of a punch, but believe it or not for this race every year, um, I don't, when you build your, your like annual training plan, you kind of try to peak for certain races. Um, I, two years ago, I tried to peak for this race and then got like wiped out really hard at a buoy. And I was like, well, that that's over. So it, for me, this race is more fun um, because it is it. Yes. There's so much skill involved with being able to do those turns and uh, get in and out through the whitewash, but there's a little bit of luck in there. Um, it absolutely helps if you can handle taking these waves forward, backwards, sideways. So some would argue that it's all skill, but I think I still think there's a little luck you know, if you get around a certain buoy too soon or not soon enough, and then the wave comes through, I mean, you could be doing everything right yeah. and no waves come. And then all of a sudden five people catch a wave behind you and you're, you went from a very commanding first place to six. Exactly. They caught a wave that you didn't. And that has nothing to do with skill or training so, or anything. Yeah. That's a very yeah. good point. <clears throat> that's a very good point. There's a lot of timing in terms of the set waves and when those happen. And you're right. I've seen a lot of people out front, way out front. And then their, their lead is just gone as soon as 
a set wave comes and, and grabs everybody who's in second, third, fourth, and fifth and just brings them right up to first. Absolutely. So it, yes, so much skill. So if you have those skills, you're in a better position, but then, then somebody who doesn't, but the luck is still there at that race. So I've stopped. I don't build my training plan to, to peak for, for Pacific paddle games. I, my season kind of ended more or less. And I just, I kind of did another mini block to get ready for this one, but it's not, it's more playing in the waves than anything else. Wow. That's great. And just maintenance of that. Yeah. Maintenance of my anaerobic and my aerobic systems, keep those where they were. I'm not trying to grow them, uh, in, in what, like the four weeks from the gorge to Pacific paddle games, but I am just playing in the waves. How was the gorge? Had you, had you ever been there before? Had you done that event before? I have. And this year we actually had wind. It was yes. fabulous. Yes. <laughs> For the first run, the first run we had wind and I was very, very happy. And then the wind kind of died off on that second run. So it wasn't, it didn't go as good as the first one. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was there for the days before for a different event, and then um, and then I, I couldn't stay for the race. But it was it, it was just amazing. I had never been there before, and I was just completely impressed and in awe of the whole Hood River scene. It's just it's really really cool, and particularly um, as somebody who does a lot of windsurfing, you know, it's just awesome to see how many windsurfers there are in that little town, and how alive and just active that the whole community, the windsurfing community is. And and you can see why. I mean, the wind. I mean, other than, you know, the race day was a little bit light, but the wind there just rips through the, through that, through the gorge along the river. And, and, um, it's just a, a beautiful, like, place to hold an event like that. The event site itself is just, it's just awesome. It's great for spectating. It's great as a, as like a finish, like a finish line. And, and the course itself is, was awesome. So we got to paddle it a few days and, you know, it just, it's a, it's a true straight downwind course. And it's fast, and it was just oh, yeah. it was great to be able to see all that. And and I'm glad you guys had a little bit of wind for it. And um, it looked like they got a huge turnout of people. It looked like a very successful event. I think every year that that race ends up being the largest race um, by participation for the women's field, at least. Really. Between and, that and Pacific Paddle Games. Check that out. So. And how did you do in that event? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> I did pretty well. I think it was like seventh. Um, I think I got seventh in the technical, and it was top ten in the the downwind as well. Awesome. I, I, yeah, I, mean, I probably I, should pay attention to my results more. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I I didn't mean to put you on the spot. It was like I just wanted to kind of understand, like, because again, it, coming from it's an international race. You know, you've got a, a full field of competitors from all over the world coming into Hood River to race again. So that's one of the, you know, there's a couple of events that you do that are very local races. And then there's some that you get to play in the international scene. And that's kind of, that's what makes it really fun and unique from your perspective. And, and to, you know, to be able to place well in those events, is just, it's just huge. Um, and particularly that one, I mean, that one was kind of interesting because they, I like the fact that everybody got two runs. You know, so they got to you kind of combine the the time for the two runs, so that it's not just an eight mile down winter and you're finished. Um, you know, but again, coming from the East Coast, it's got to be hard to train for those kind of downwind runs. It is. Um, when we get a downwind, it, it even when the wind is high enough, it's very rare that the ocean swells are lining up in the same orientation. Every once in a while in the winter, we'll get a good north wind with the swells coming at least, um, at least somewhat in the same direction. And then in the the summer, we get the south winds, um, and you're very lucky to get a swell going the same direction. But some a lot of times they're opposing, so it doesn't make for a really good no. uh, downwind experience. But when it when they're within 90 degrees of one another, you can get out there and it's not, it's nothing like Hood River, but it is, it is a downwind and it is extremely technical. And if you can downwind here, then you can downwind there. Yeah, that's a good point. 
That's a good point. I mean, we had a good downwind start to Carolina Cup this year. That was a lot of fun, and it felt like the swell and the wind was lining up pretty well. Yeah, it wasn't bad for sure. I enjoyed that. That was fun. Yeah, except for when we made the turn and had to go upwind <laughs> for however many miles it was on the riverside. That was kind of tough. Yeah, that I, that that was the hardest thing I've done, I think, in my entire life. <laughs> really? So, I mean, when you're training and you're doing that, I mean, doing that, the entire course or part of that course, I mean, do you, you I would never go out on a day like that. Really? Oh, oh man, that hurts. <laughs> Hell no. That hurts. I would take one look at the weather and say, yeah, I'm doing this shit tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, let's do a downwinder. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, that was brutal. Oh, yeah. That was brutal. That was fun. Hell no. Yeah. The, the, the part that was the most punishing was being on the river and then getting to the, getting to all the slips, like all the dock slips, and then just watching how slowly you were inching along. By like approaching mm-hmm. a piling and just slowly passing a piling and realizing you only had what another eight or nine miles of that. Just to look at the nose of your board. And just oh yeah, that was it yeah. was brutal. <laughs> it was so bad. Yeah, yeah, but that's you know that's what makes it fun in the end. It's like the fact that you actually did it and finished it and catch a wave in and be done. We're definitely yeah. going back next year, so it didn't kill us. Yeah, it's still one of our favorite events. It's awesome. We're gonna do it anyway. Bring on yeah. the wind. Hopefully, a little bit better weather wouldn't be bad, though. No, no we'll take it. So, what do you? I will. <laughs> so, April, where do you, where do you see yourself like next year or the next three years? You're doing the same. Well, you know, they the say it takes. Yeah, they say it takes uh, seven years to master something, right? So I, next I didn't year, know they, that. yeah, that's what they say. So seven years to mastery. So next year's my seventh year. So I think next year's going to be my year. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, why not? That's exciting. You're going to have a whole new title, Master April Zilk. That's, yeah. how, you, that's how you'll be introduced. That's like, okay. That's cool. As long as it doesn't take seven years and then you're, you're good on your eighth year. So maybe, maybe next, next year's my year. I don't know how it works. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, uh, I don't know, seven years, that's a long time. That's that's Isn't a long it? commitment. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 impressive. I haven't been like super duper training for seven years. I've only really taken the like the racing and the the rankings seriously for about that's like three years now. Um Yeah, but I mean but all those other stuff, three years. Yeah, I mean a lot of that stuff hasn't matured until the last since the last three years, you know? I mean you got in so early, like right at the beginning. It's still a very young sport, obviously. That you know, a lot of this stuff is still trying. Yeah, to but, it's still taking shape. Yeah, but definitely all the, the the ladies that are a lot faster than me, they were in it already when I. They were already right. fast when I joined up. Right. Like when right. I got interested, so they right. got a couple years on me. But I think, I think seven years to mastery, I'll I'll be. I'll be up there next year. Yeah, you will. Hey, I might. I'm trying to bust out. Of, I own this 10th place spot. I need to, <laughs> I want to give it up. I want to move up just a little. Right, right. Well, it's interesting that, the you know, we see it a lot on the men's side, but are the, the women in that field, in that top 10, the ones you're gunning for, do they have um, previous experience with like canoe or kayak or anything like that, you know, do they come from a paddling background? Cause we, we do see that quite a bit on our side. They come from an athletic background, Yeah. yeah. whether it, uh, I mean, Fiona was really big into windsurfing and Annabelle, God, Annabelle was training her entire life for the Olympics. I believe, mm-hmm. um, her, she has a knee injury that prevented her from ever, um, like real, like realizing that dream and making that dream that a reality, but she still, she knows how to train, how to eat, how to periodize her year to, to maximize her output. And that shows in, in her performances and her dominating that, that top place in the world for so many years, because I don't think anybody else in the top 10 is coming from training their entire lives to be an Olympian. Um, I, I trained my entire life to drink as many beers as possible and maybe <laughs> win a little bit of beer pong. So yeah, <laughs> See, at least you got your priorities straight. <laughs> yeah, that was, 
that's what I was training for before I got into this. So um, it, it's like night and day how her, her life versus my life. And it, I mean, it, it's obvious um, that other people are coming from an athletic background. I was, I was the potato, like very potato e couch potato, um, very unhealthy. Like man, all I wanted to do in college was yeah. Party and drink and then sleep all day. So, um, yeah, my weight reflected that my health reflected that everything about me. Um, I, I was very unhealthy. So I ate a lot of DiGiorno pizza, ramen noodles, hot dogs, and beer. So that was, um, that was my training wow. and I, I'm just trying to make up for it now. <laughs> well, if the beer pong, uh, competitive circuit had really taken off the way you'd planned, I think I all, that, all that training would have worked for your favor. <laughs> Man, you, I tell you, now if there's a paddleboard race where you got to chug a beer at the end of like every lap, <laughs> I am going to kick some butt. <laughs> we're, we're, we're jotting down notes for that yeah, one. Yeah, right we'll now. work on designing that. Yeah. I'm sure that's very safe. I think the Coast Guard will really approve those permits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, no, um, yeah, a lot of the other women do have uh, athletic competitive backgrounds. And I, I don't think I have a competitive bone in my body. I mean, I like everybody too much. I can't, I don't, I, I don't get very angry out on the course. It, I use competition as a tool to, to become a fitter, healthier version of myself. But it's not, it's not something I internalize or or get too hung up on. I'm not like constantly checking the world rankings or like, I didn't even, I don't even know what place I was in, in the gorge. Yeah. yeah. I'm just training. I'm training to not be like a sick, sickly and overweight slob. That's all. <laughs> well, it's working. Yeah. It's getting you off the couch. That's for sure. <laughs> I still love my couch. Don't get me wrong. But. Yeah. There's always time for that, you know, after, yeah. after you've done your, your training regimen for the day or whatever. Exactly. No, it just, it, it gives me goals. Um, the world rankings, I love that it's there. It, it just gives me something to aim for, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And so how's your, um, you mentioned you went down to, you went to part-time, but how's your, how's your career and like your employer and everything? How have they been, how understanding and supportive have they been around like, what you're doing in the sub world. Oh, really great. Because I, I quit at the, the lab. I didn't, <laughs> and I took a huge pay cut and I work in a paddleboard shop. <laughs> there you go. That's how it works. So are you doing, yeah, so, are you doing any science work anymore? I do not. Um, yeah. even, even two years ago, I still did, uh, like science camps for kids, but I even, I dropped that off as well. Just, because it's so hard to find somebody to work your schedule around so many events all summer Because unfortunately right. a, a lot of the Marine science, uh, part-time work is, is summer based and to, right. To be uh, on the road or racing a lot. But luckily, um, with my current rankings and, and people seem to like me, uh, I guess a little bit. So <laughs> when I get to where I'm going, uh, I can usually do a clinic or um, obtain some new coaching clients. And so that's helped out a lot because no one's making a living off of stand-up paddling racing right. alone. So for me to to have a job in a shop, to coach people, you know, over, over online, do like online coaching, and to also teach clinics at races, it, it's helped out in that. I'm able to piece together um, a, a little bit of a, of a living. <laughs> That's impressive. I mean, you definitely have to pull together a lot of different factors to make that work. And you're right. The, the clinic stuff is, is really, I, I got to think that that's super helpful as well. And, and um, it's gotta be fun. It's fun to do. I mean, you're passing on all the training and knowledge that you've built over the seven plus years you've been racing and, Getting to see the energy and excitement from other people who are just getting into the sports got to be fun. Oh, yeah. I love, love doing the clinics. So, I like it almost more than racing. <laughs> yeah, that's the fun part of the race, doing the clinics. 
Now, well, how about um, where do you see sort of the future of sup racing? Do you think uh, versus uh, where we've where we've come from in the last few years? I see it going back to the way it was um, kind of that, that first year I got into it where, God, the, the pros, it was, it was Candace Appleby, Karen Wren, Brandy Baxick, um, Jenny Kalmbach. They all have, they had jobs like, like I do now, but right. they needed to have a job and then they did paddleboard racing for fun. Because newsflash, paddleboarding's fun. Um, then all of a sudden, and that's when Brandy kind of got out of it because she was like, "Yeah, I'm not, I'm not competitive at all anymore. I can't even break the top ten because everybody is doing this full time. Right. So people right. in her field were so she still got a job and she maybe can train." once or sometimes twice a day, but usually like once a day and she's extremely fit. She's an incredible athlete, but she's got a big girl job. So all these athletes started coming in where, you know, they, they train year round. Maybe they don't have jobs. They're either supported by like they're by somebody family or, or sponsor, but they're able to train a lot more because there's money for them to, to do that. Right. So it pushed out the people that were kind of doing it for fun and that were very friendly and fun to talk to and hang out with when you went to these events. And I think as the industry kind of plateau, like it levels out. Um, and when certain people realize that there's not a lot of money in stand up paddleboard racing and you're not going to make a living off of it, I think you're going to see a return to people who have jobs and that are able to train maybe once a day, but they're competitive and it's fun and it's not their paddle racing. Isn't their job. Right. So do you see a lot more local races and do you see some of these big races kind of what's going to happen to the big races that people have to travel to? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, that's a really good question. I think the the local races will flourish. I think participation um, in paddling it, it's high. People love the sport. It's never going anywhere. I don't know if people are always going to do it. I don't know if people are going to continue to pursue it competitively, um, even in the way that people pursue five Ks competitively. Right, I mean, I would right. hope that they do. It's fun. It gives you something to train for. It gives you a a reason to to get fit. Um, but I think the big, big international races, you're going to, you might, I would anticipate you'd see an increase in the rec divisions because people know that if they're not competitive in the elite divisions, maybe they're going to enter the rec. But people still want to travel. People want to do destination races. People sign up for 5Ks and uh, bike races and stuff all over the world. I had... My friend here in town, she signed up for some race in Costa Rica. <laughs> I mean, she wasn't going to win it, but she, like, on a bike, she went and did it and had a blast. Yeah, that's fine. So I, I think traveling, like, racing tourism is still going to be there. Right. But but it's going to be, I don't know, it's just not going to be like this. It might still be this big elite competition thing. I honestly don't know. Yeah, I just, I, I hope, and and maybe you can give us your perspective on this, but I think that um, recreationally, yeah, I think that's an interesting point. I think recreationally, I mean, are you still seeing kind of a growth in people who are, a growth Absolutely. in the sport? Yeah, people who are first-timers who are falling in love with this? Yes, and I'm, the, the majority of my clients, like, that I coach and build training plans for, they're not, they're they're not going to go to the gorge or the Pacific paddle game. Some of them are, but I've got local people that want to get in shape or get back into shape. And they want to do the biathlon in March, which is our paddle and run, or they want to do the Carolina cup uh, in April, even though it's a, it's a big race, but it's local. Right. They, 
they, they're not going to win the Carolina Cup, nor do they want to, but that's their goal, and they're going to use it to become a fitter and healthier version of themselves. Yeah, see, that's awesome. So, I mean, then they, they, have, uh, they have a goal. You know, they have something that they're training for. Gives them a reason to be yeah, out competition there. Is, yeah, competition is a tool. Right. And it's a tool you use to become healthy. And it's a tool that you use to push yourself beyond, you know, your comfort zone and your limits. And if you use it correctly, um, then it's a very successful tool. And I think because of that, if, if people start realizing that that's what competition is for, then we'll see an increase in, in participation. The same, that's why people sign up for 5Ks. They're yeah. like, oh, I paid my money. I better train. Right, but it, it, right. It's that mental, ah, I better train because I signed up for this. I, I do want to be healthy. I, I do want to get off my couch. I do want to be fitter and healthier. Like, I want that. So let me sign up for this race. Whereas if you don't have a race to sign up for, you, you very well might not likely ever get off your couch. Yeah, no, that's a good point. It keeps it keeps you motivated. It gives you a reason <laughs> to get out there every day. That's a, That's a very good point. Yeah. And it is, it's like 5Ks and like the local races are like 5Ks. They're, it's, it's meant to be fun. It's meant to be something that you sort of train for, give you a reason to go out and do your training and make sure you, uh, you're diligent about it. And then, um, and work to get a little bit better every year. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, April. Well, I'm going to wrap it up, but, uh, I just want to say thanks so much for doing this and I'm glad we were able to, um, find the time to put this together. And, yeah, uh, no worries, man. <laughs> and uh, we're looking forward to seeing uh, seeing you in at PPG. I mean, we won't be there, but we'll, we'll be we'll be online watching watching the action go down. So, good luck to you out there in California. Kick some butt. Well, I appreciate it. Awesome. And uh, and again, thanks so much for always coming up and seeing us at Santa for the Lake every year. And always great to see you and Corey up here doing your thing. And um, Looking forward to seeing you at Carolina Cup or, or sooner if we can pull it off. Yeah, thank you guys for putting on such a really great event every year. That's what, yeah, that's what stand-up races should be like. So yeah, I go to a lot that definitely are are not as good. It's our pleasure. And this year I had a chicken sandwich for you. I hope you got some of that. Oh, man, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. I was like, April's allergic to fish, so we got to make sure we got something else for her. One chicken sandwich. <laughs> there we go. It's all yours. It's got your name on it. All right. All right. Thanks, April. Thanks, Great. April. Say hi to Corey for us. And uh, we, I will, for sure. Thank you, guys. All right. Have a good one. All right. We'll see you.